0: Welcome to the Malouli Asset Management Podcast. This is Tom Malouli, and I'm here with Brendan. Hello. How's everybody doing? This is episode Philadelphia. 215. 215 area code. So we did Dallas last, and then 216, I think it's Cleveland. But we'll have to get our game plan down in terms of where our roadshow goes next. But (laughs) this is episode 215. 215 is the area code for Philadelphia. So before we get into all of our... Uh, topics for the week. S- Let's just stay with Philadelphia for a second, because we were just talking about this before we turned the mics on. Something that's in the news today as we're recording this, but uh, really kind of is a, a good reminder for people in our industry. Uh, Brian Colangelo, who uh, is now the former general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers, had to resign today, primarily because a website uh, called the Ringer, uh, discovered about a week or so back that Calangelo was tied to several different anonymous twitter accounts i used to call them egg accounts but you called them burner accounts that's what everybody's calling them yeah yeah so these throwaway accounts but apparently the these throwaway accounts had really good information so they were disclosing some sensitive information they were also trashing some of the players not cool
1: no it's a silly way to lose one of the best jobs in the world i mean if you're a gm of a sports franchise i mean how many like in each league there are roughly what like 30 teams baseball football basketball whatever we're talking about you have one of the coolest jobs out there i think you don't have a hard day ever oh sure it's it's all relative i'm sure like you know you lost a game
0: you know i mean i mean that's his
1: livelihood though right so i'm sure he does have bad days just like everybody else across the spectrum but that's a pretty cool job that you're very well paid for and that's such a
0: silly thing to to lose your job it over, is. I think. So here's the the takeaway though, for me, as I'm reading the story is, uh, his wife was the owner of the other burner accounts. So he was sharing sensitive information, which he shouldn't do. Sometimes we get access to sensitive information, which we should never share. This stuff was being put out on social media. In our line of work, we have to remain compliant And so everything that we put out on social media or out on the web is archived for compliance purposes. Uh, And so and for some, you know, historical archives, we need to keep all of these things. And we actually have an outside service that does this. But it's so important for business leaders and people in our line of work to remain sensitive to talking about certain situations that we really shouldn't be talking about.
1: Other people's privacy.
0: Yeah. Uh, another reason we archive the tweets is so I can go back and see how much
1: self-loathing I have as a Mets fan. <laughs> so they've got all those in there too. Those will be funny to return to in a couple of years. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> Tom Mullooly is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.
0: Let's just stay with the sports vein uh, for one more moment. Uh, another story today, Amazon today scored the rights to the English Premier League, the soccer league. Now, it's not a big deal. It's 20 games. They can only show it in Britain, but watch out ESPN, owned by Disney. You know, last year, Amazon, through Amazon Prime, was able to show 10 of the Thursday night NFL games. Here we go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I already have Prime, so, like, if they're going to continue giving me stuff under my subscription, sure. Yeah. I think, like, weren't people yesterday talking about Amazon getting into, uh, like, homeowners insurance? Right. Right and and i agree with a lot of the takes that i saw which were would you buy homeowners insurance on amazon uh yeah i'll buy that on the computer i would is that like a fun pr- I, I, i'm not going to miss buying homeowners insurance just just being honest i mean it's not it's not bad. It's not good. It's just if you can make it simpler, which I'm sure they would, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll do it. It's and it's not as if like this company, I don't know, would they be insuring it or would they be offloading that to like an actual insurance company? But either way, I you mean, like... Offload it to Geico. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if, if they're offloading it to an insurance company, you're no worse off than going through the insurance company you are now. And if it's that- Amazon, then... They have plenty of money. Like I feel pretty
0: good about them. Yeah, they fulfilling could, their promises. I'd be okay with them standing behind their promise to insure my home. But you know, if they're farming it out to other local brokers, uh, then it's select quote all over again. I mean, and and it would be price sensitive.
1: Yeah. Like like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go there on Amazon and pay like extra for it. But if they can give me something competitive to what I have and simplify the process, I'm in. I'll look into it. Sign me up. But yeah, I mean, like they're gonna put these games on there. I mean, I'm watching shows on Amazon Prime uh, on my on my TV from streaming. What
0: does it mean to companies like Fox, who have a lot of money tied up in sports, and ESPN, uh, you know, owned by Disney? I'd be worried. I don't know. I mean, if, if we the, had an answer, then like you know, we could share it with them
1: because I'm sure they're all thinking the same thing. Really? But are they going to go towards like a model like that where they're selling things at a subscription, or, or are they going to be bidding wars? Like, do you want to get into a bidding war with Amazon? Will Amazon get into bidding wars for things like sports? I mean, can you imagine? I mean, can the bidding war
0: for the Super Bowl get any higher? It's, yeah. out of, it's out of control right now, and they now they're having trouble selling the ads. Well, it's almost. <laughs> I almost feel like Amazon would step in and, like, buy
1: the rights to the Super Bowl out of left field just to— like, Bezos would do that just to, like, laugh at everybody, I, I yeah. think, because they all laughed at him at one point yeah with so. his
0: online bookstore. Let's swing this around. Warren Buffett and Jamie Dimon came out with some news today. They talked about uh, both of them. Um, they think it's a good idea to curb the—I'll quote it— unhealthy focus on quarterly earnings. What, what do you think about this? I think it's a great idea that will probably never work. I just think that there's going to be some kind of... There, there's going to be businesses that have such great news to report on a 90-day basis that they're, they're going to want to tell their story. And I also think that there's going to be some companies that have really bad news, and if they can bury that for 340 more days... They'd love to, uh, because it gives them an opportunity to sell their stock. Right. I think
1: uh, too. They were more talking about like earnings guidance for right. th- for the coming quarter. So they were basically saying that like it's valueless for companies to predict what's going to happen. Like they're still going to report on a quarterly basis because no one's going to give them their money otherwise. But right. I saw Matt Levine, who writes for Bloomberg, had he has his his daily email that goes out. That's very good and, and funny, worth worth subscribing to if you don't. And uh, he had some opinions. so I, I don't remember specifically if they were all his, but some of the things he were, he was saying was that like this sounds good coming from Buffett and Jamie Diamond, but for every Buffett and Jamie Diamond, there are like 10 to 20 other CEOs that we've literally never heard of. Yeah. and it's mostly just a trust thing. Investors are okay uh, with Warren Buffett not checking in with them every quarter because he's Warren Buffett but if it's some other random company it kind of is like reassuring to get something from them like hey this is what we are hoping to do over the next quarter and you know give you some tangible stuff I I kind of agree that like you know predicting the future in any capacity is is valueless but I'm not sure like what the alternative is right You know, like I think Matt Levine was kind of saying like, uh, I'm forgetting, I think it was something about Chesterton, like Chesterton's like, I'm forgetting if it's like a principle or like a ladder or something. It was something about Chesterton and it was basically saying like, if you don't understand something, you can't just get rid of it because you don't understand it. It's like if you, it's like if you said, I don't understand why these companies have to say what they're going to earn over the next quarter. Like, I just don't get it. It's stupid. Like they should, they should get rid of it. Chesterton would say, like, okay, so go back and learn why they actually do this in the first place, and then we can come up with a replacement. You can't just get rid of it because you don't understand it. Right. That that doesn't make any sense. Yeah.
0: So another story that we saw in the Wall Street Journal in the last couple of days, uh, headline was value investors face existential crisis, like we're all John Paul Sartre, after a long market rally. So where do we... I guess this this savannah has been picked pretty clean, apparently. And where do we hunt for clean for rub uh, for cheap stocks?
1: Uh, I don't know. I I think it also depends on what metric of valuation you're using. Like I've seen a lot of like hand wringing lately about price to book. Yeah. And how that is not, uh, useful or maybe has has lost some of its luster in terms of being able to to. Accurately value companies. I know uh, O'Shaughnessy Asset Management had a, a pretty interesting piece in the last couple of weeks on that. First off, like, what kind of value are we talking about? Like, what metrics are these people using? Also, I think if you're going to do anything, whether it's value, growth, momentum, uh, if, if you're doing something different than the market, you should anticipate that there, there are going to be long stretches where looking different isn't like a good thing. Like that's how it's sold. It's like, we're going to be different and that's good. And it is good if you can like hang in there and, you know, do all these things and and collect the premium that has existed over time. And the reason that it works is because people do stuff like this. Like they begin to doubt when they're in the desert, stranded for years upon years. Like, hey, maybe value doesn't work. Right. And then those people sell and they are basically subsidizing
0: the people who hang in there. I was going to say, that's when value starts to work.
1: Right. Like, didn't everybody say value wasn't working anymore? Like people literally mocked Warren Buffett during the tech bubble because he wouldn't buy internet
0: stocks oh in the late 90s he was not buying he said hey i'm not buying things that i don't understand i don't understand how these companies work right so and i guess he wasn't like, he wasn't subscribing to the mary meeker price to eyeballs ratio i don't know i just think
1: like uh many value investors got killed during that time period and i i don't know i mean it's they're doing something different than the market or I, I don't think we should be surprised that there's uh trials and tribulations associated with that.
0: I need to just mention, as we're recording this, you can't see it because we're in our podcast thing, but you have an abnormal returns mug right next to you. Right. And uh, our friend Tadas runs a great website there, and he had a pretty interesting post about spending speed bumps. This week
1: has been interesting because uh, Tadas has actually... He he, like stored up a bunch of these different posts, like original posts, uh, which is usually sprinkles a few of them in. But it's been all week this week, original posts from him, and, and they've all been pretty interesting. So I would go check him out if he writes if you so well. Uh, yeah, and, and he, you know, in addition to doing that, if you're not familiar, he's normally sharing blog posts from all around finance, Twitter, and and different places. The Saturday roundup touches on like all different areas. Great curation. Uh, it's one of my favorite sites. And I do have the mug sitting right here,
0: so he talked about how watching your neighbors increase their spending habits is a visceral challenge, kind of like keeping up with the Joneses, yeah. as we always talk about yeah, so
1: I mean, you want to obviously try to t- try to avoid that and live within not only your means but w- like what's important to you, like like when you're buying something like is it is it actually important? Is it going to bring you happiness in the future or right. is it going to be? fleeting
0: so i think it was ronald reagan who said uh what's the definition of a uh recession is when your neighbor loses his job and then the definition of a depression is when you lose your job yeah it's kind of like the quote that he used what's worse than winning the lottery watching your neighbor win the lottery
1: yeah and i mean i think this doesn't only go for uh lotteries or or people keeping up with the joneses i mean people do this with their investments too it's, you know, it's comparison shopping almost. It's like, you know, you, you hear uh, somebody chatting about their their terrific stocks that are just like skyrocketing and it makes you feel like you're not keeping up or whatever it may be. First off, you don't even know if they're telling the truth. Right. They're probably exaggerating. Second off, why is that important to you? If if you're doing stuff that's right for you, based on a plan that that you came up with for yourself, or you worked with somebody to develop based on your specific situation, it should be all that matters. Right. It should be all that matters. I understand that that doesn't hold any water when somebody else is getting rich and you feel like you're losing. But you know, we can we can only say it so many times. If you don't want to believe it, then you yeah. know that's that's kind of so your problem.
0: But, right. Well, I, I think we have to also tie in our friend Justin Costelli's uh, quote, you're the average of, the, of your five closest friends. I've actually heard that in several different places, but uh, Justin's written about that quite a bit. Um, I also know, going back to Todd, he talked about how there was a study in Canada that showed uh, that people whose neighbors, where the neighbors won the lottery, they've actually filed bankruptcy more on average, than uh, other Canadians. Hmm. Interesting. I guess people trying to keep up with, uh, you know, the fat cats next door <laughs> doesn't always work. That probably never works. So, Brendan, I guess uh, Tim Cook admitted that uh, he spends a little too much time on his iPhone. Apple was talking
1: about this week uh, new ways. People concerned that we're all spending too much time on our phones, so they're going to come out with this this new app that tells you. I guess it's going to give you kind of like data on. Your app usage and how much time you're spending on it, and then you're you're also gonna have the ability to set like timers for yourself that yeah. tell you to like stop it. I think
0: that's actually a pretty good idea. One of the things that that uh, Apple recently did with the latest upgrade uh, in their software in the last couple of weeks was they uh, basically allow you to turn off your phone when they can sense that you're driving, which I think is great. Mm. So you won't be interrupted. By a phone call or a text or something like that. Yeah. So I was coming back to the office at lunchtime today and I almost got run over by a young woman who was driving very fast uh and actually had to swerve around me to stop. Uh and then when she caught up to me at the next light, the first thing she did was look down again at her phone. That kills yeah. me uh to to see that. Yeah. We are spending too much time on our phones. I think what I worry about is that the young kids, you know, teenagers have their nose in the phone. They're not developing any social skills whatsoever. I think it's a problem across generations because I think old young, uh,
1: if if you have a smartphone, your face is probably in it most of the time, and you can it, you can, you can have social skills and be acquainted with society and lose them over time if you don't exercise them. So I think there are probably old people who are you know out of, out of touch with society too because their phones. Up in their face all day long. Uh, I, d- I just wonder, like, are people actually gonna Are people actually going to like stop when their phone says like, Hey, you've been on Twitter for two hours. Like, yeah, stop it. Yeah, it's worth a shot. I it, totally agree. It's a great idea. It's worth it. It's worth a shot. But I'm pretty sure you could probably. It's not like your phone's gonna lock you out or something.
0: Yeah. So I wanted to uh, wrap up today with a, a story that uh, was in the Wall Street Journal. <clears throat> talking about the uncomfortable relationship between mobile payments and financial literacy. Brendan hasn't seen this, but... Uh, yeah, what, what's the gist of it, though? A story from Anna Maria Lusardi, who writes a lot um, about financial planning topics, and she mentioned that millennials who make mobile payments are much more likely to use credit cards in expensive ways, such as paying only the minimum due. It's interesting to see that uh, the, she began the story talking about EasyPass, and how people don't realize how much we spend going th- shooting through these tolls. You know, we are in New Jersey, so we travel. You oh, know, man. going into the city. And yeah. And bridges, um, tunnels. Going through um, some of the tunnels. Uh, George Washington Bridge, I think, is twelve dollars and fifty cents. Verrazano Bridge is more. You don't see it when you're zooming through the lanes, but I get the bill here at the office and I go through it and I'm like, okay, where was I on that date? Oh yeah. Uh, And then you start to add up the cost of all of these trips and then add the gas on top of it. So her point was, we never really add up how much we're spending when we're zipping through an easy pass lane, same way when you're making mobile payments in addition to you know paying only the minimum that's due or incurring fees there also these millennials are also more likely to overdraw their bank accounts listen to this 33% of mobile payment users overdraw their bank accounts compared to 19% of non-users still, even, still bad in even both the instances. non-users <laughs> almost 20% of people are overdrawing their bank accounts each month yeah. what's up with that weren't
1: there similar kind of sentiments though when like credit cards and debit cards became a thing like like people resisted they were like i don't feel like i'm act like the money's actually there i'm not spending anything not real money yeah Yeah. i don't know i i i agree with the point that it makes it easier to not think about what you're spending but at the same time like the root of that issue i guess the easiest way to like combat that would be to to like use cash for everything
0: it would be a real eye-opener for people i think people would make decisions Maybe better decisions, like hey, I don't need to spend the money on that. Yeah, uh, I can't imagine going to Costco and having to pay cash. Yeah, there are things people need financing
1: for. Oh yeah. Uh, so I don't know, like things like credit cards and Easy Pay, like they have to exist, and people have to get loans for things. So nobody is going to do cash for everything. Like
0: no one, no one could buy a home without financing. But one of the things that that really jumped out at me in this in this article was that 37% of mobile payment users take money from the retirement account compared to 9% otherwise. I, she didn't have any data for this, but one of her conclusions was those who use mobile payments have much lower levels of financial literacy than non-users. I, I don't know how you score that. Yeah,
1: I think that's tough. I'd also be interested to see like the group of people that build these you know, survey numbers. What was the sample? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. And, and maybe it's just me uh, taking offense to it because- I use mobile payments and I don't overdraw my bank account and take money from my Roth IRA. Yeah. But, you know, that's beside the point. I guess maybe I'm old, have, I'm old fashioned. I'm a I check have, writer. Yeah, <laughs> I have high financial literacy, I I would hope. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there are people out there that don't understand what they're doing and, and the ease of spending money on things like this, even money that you don't have. Yeah, it could put people in some bad spots if they don't totally get what they're doing.
0: One question, totally random. All right. Who has more locations, McDonald's or Starbucks? Um, And you can include the new Starbucks that opened about a half a mile from the office. (laughs) Hmm. Probably Starbucks, I'm guessing. The the actual answer depends on if you're talking about just in America or globally. worldwide. It's McDonald's so, ahead globally? Way ahead. Right. Way right. ahead. Makes so sense. McDonald's has 35,000 uh, restaurants compared to just under 27,000 for Starbucks. It's still a lot. Yeah. Uh, but Starbucks here in the in America, Starbucks has 2,000 new stores that open this year. They've got 14,300 locations in the Americas. So the Americas, I'm supposing that we're, we're including Canada and Mexico right uh, with that as well. What else do we have?
1: So this one I, I wanted to bring up uh, was an article from The Wall Street Journal about the next threat to oil prices. Uh, which they say minute, is China Wait a minute this like is the current threat this no, is no. the next threat well i just wanted to bring yeah. it up because we talked about this last week how it could be the the headline that we talked about last week was saying that like it's not the dollar it's geopolitics now and i was saying you could just like insert the crisis de jour and it yeah. would be Here the same go. article just like repopulated with different words and i don't know it it was interesting to read about i guess like their concern is that uh, demand from china for oil will not be as high over like the coming months as it has been in past years. And maybe that's right. But I, I, it kind of seems like if they write enough of these stories, that one of them will be right. And then in hindsight, they can go back and be like, see, it really was China and we called it. It's like, well, I don't know, man. I'd put some money on the G7, but that's <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I, I just wanted to bring that one up because it seems like there's a new fill in the blank reason for things like oil prices or stock prices every week, and I think each one of them is... It's got merit for the day. <laughs> well, I think they're equally as not valuable. Well, to we've, we've talked
0: about this on, on podcasts and videos and, and done uh, blog posts on this as well. It just cracks us up as a team to see people report that the market was up today because... Because fill of in this, the blank. because of that.
1: You yeah. can you can see headlines in the morning that are reversed in the afternoon, and they have to report the news, and this is somebody's job, so they, they pretty much have to do what they're doing. I think the the thing that really baffles me is people that make investment decisions based on daily explanations for what the market's doing, as if we understand what billions of humans are doing with their money each day and, and
0: why they're doing it. We could never understand that, and nobody ever will. You know, in six months, whatever the... The reason I'm using air quotes, but whatever the reason is, stocks went up or stocks went down today, six months from now, we will not know about it. Or we will have forgotten about it. Yeah. I think, I don't know. Like like in this this example, like if if it is
1: China, like okay, so like what do we do about that? Right. How do how do we profit off of that? And is it are we gonna be right for sure? I don't know. Tough way, tough way to make decisions. So I hope people are not doing that. I know they are, but I, I hope they aren't.
0: Well, I think that's going to wrap up the Philadelphia episode number 215. Join us uh, again in episode 216 as we explore the uh, south side of Cleveland. We'll see you then.